Phony Joni Ernst backs an unqualified judicial nominee, abandons domestic violence survivors, and might have, or probably, broke the law. What a week. I'm Matt Sinovic, the Executive Director of Progress Iowa. And I'm Lauren McAmeal, the Digital Director for Progress Iowa. Welcome to What a Week, where we break down the week's top stories. And this week, most every story ha- is directly connected to our Senator Joni Ernst. And we're going to start with the confirmation of judicial nominee Sarah Pitlick. Joni Ernst is everywhere this week. She so is. Sarah Pitlick might be familiar to some Iowans because she actually worked for the Thomas More Society, which defended Iowa's six-week abortion ban. She has also defended the anti-abortion activist David DeLayden, who broke federal and state laws by secretly recording and deceptively editing videos that falsely claimed to expose Planned Parenthood's illegal sale of fetal tissue. And she's not true, which is not true. She has also argued that it is a quote unquote scientific fact that, again, quote, human life begins at the moment when a human sperm fertilizes a human egg. And in the this is a quote from uh, the Huffington Post. It is not scientific fact. And she's not a scientist. And she is not a scientist. And I don't think she's in a place to make that sort of distinction. But so basically, she has also been rated not qualified by the American Bar Association, which is a pretty big red flag that you should not be a judge, perhaps on one of the higher courts of the land. And so we got to talk to Paul Gordon of the People for the American Way about what a non-qualified rating from the ABA means and what kind of rulings we can expect from Sarah Pitlick in the future. And we're joined now by Paul Gordon, who's a senior legislative counsel at People for the American Way. He works on a variety of issues for them. He also regularly engages with government officials, national, state coalitions like we have here in Iowa on judicial nominations. And and he does that to uh, as part of his work to ensure that our courts have highly qualified and independent judges. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am I am so excited to be to be able to talk to you. Uh, Iowa is one of my favorite states when it comes to people who are active on issues that matter. Active Iowa is terrific. Well, we agree, <laughs> and we appreciate that. Um, I wish we had where uh, we, we wish we had better news to be talking with you about. But um, but as you know, this week uh, Sarah Pitlick was was confirmed. Um, uh, and it's just yet another judicial nominee that is far from the norm that Senator or that that, you know, that President Trump has has put through. Um, I mean, we've been talking about how she was uh, a staffer for Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh, defended him against sexual assault allegations, and even that she's argued that IVF and surrogacy degrade parenthood. I mean, the way we've been talking about her is this way. I wonder if you would agree. Is that is she like the poster child for President Trump's extreme nominees? I think that is a terrific way of putting it because she really, really is. Uh, you look at what her qualifications are, and the qualifications are completely ideological, not professional. Um, she's going to uh, impose their ideology from the bench. Um, she has been, as we said, found not qualified by the American Bar Association. Um, she 
she really it's like their greatest hits uh, all put together in one nominee that's unfortunate yeah you know it's it's it should be really unusual when the American Bar Association evaluates a judicial nominee and finds them unqualified it certainly never happened with any Obama judicial nominees and yet it's it's like happening more and more often with the Trump nominees because the qualifications that you actually want for someone who's going to do the job of a federal judge and do it legitimately are not the qualifications that Republicans are looking for. And you end up with people who more and more nominees are coming out that the ABA says these people are just not qualified. In some cases, they just don't have the experience to be a judge. And in some cases, they don't have the ideological temperament to be a judge. Um, Sarah Pitlick checks all the boxes. <laughs> yeah. So you you were mentioning that she's she's also received an ABA not qualified rating, and generally the White House has just kind of abandoned these ratings uh, across the board. Uh, would you mind talking a little bit about why they were important in the first place, and kind of what the American Bar Association looks for? I know you said judicial temperament and just like experience in general, but I I would hope it goes further than that when you're trying to you know decide a lifelong appointment to a federal judiciary spot? Yeah, with the American Bar Association, they, they have a, a, a committee, like, I don't know, maybe 15 people, I think, um, that do the evaluations of judicial nominees. Oh, so 15 and, people are saying that these people are not qualified. Uh, I don't remember whether it was unanimous or not. But, oh, okay. Um, I, I don't remember that offhand. But certainly uh, they do a thorough job of yeah. digging into the background. They do such a thorough job. I mean, it's not like, you know, a CIA background check or anything, I suppose. But I would hope that judicial they, people probably get that, too. <laughs> well, I guess the types of questions that they're asking. Sure. Um, um, but no, I mean, seriously, um, they talk to everybody who knows this person, who's worked with them professionally, uh, and they talk to them anonymously, because a lot of times people might be afraid to talk up about, you know, to... to, to publicly criticize somebody who's going to be in a position of power or somebody who is being sponsored by someone who's in a position of power. Um, so they talk to people anonymously, uh, and they really get the real information. Uh, is, is, is this person really qualified? Does this person, does this person have what it takes to be what we're looking for in a federal judge? Um, in, in, and what they do is they've got criteria that have nothing to do with ideology because they want to – they try and stay out of the whole ideology issue. So someone who like Brett Kavanaugh or Neil Gorsuch, who I think you and I agree should never be on the Supreme Court, the ABA said, well, look at their experience. They've been judges. They're qualified to be on the Supreme Court. Uh, ideology has nothing to do with it. Uh, so when the ABA finds somebody not qualified, that says a lot. That really does say a lot. And Republicans uh, on the Judiciary Committee, you know, they, they don't like this. <laughs> um, so they try and badmouth the ABA and say this is all political, this is all political. They only find Republican nominees not qualified. Well, the reason Maybe they only that find says something about the people that the Republicans are picking, but <laughs> exactly, exactly, ding, 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 ding. Um, so the ABA really is—it's nonpartisan, um, 
And when they say somebody is not qualified, which which until this presidency has happened so infrequently, you know that should make you sit up and take notice. And the fact that this is happening more and more often with more Trump nominees, people need to be sitting up and taking notice rather than having this be normalized like so many other things that are going on in the Trump administration. Can can you think of, uh, even just off the top of your head, maybe that handful of people that have gone through that have received an ABA not not qualified rating, either in this term or in previous administrations? Um, Well, like in this term, there's there's actually a pending circuit court nominee now uh, who, for circuit court, uh, Ninth Circuit, has been found not qualified uh, by the ABA. Uh, his name is Lawrence Van Dyke. He he has been found not qualified, not just um, because you know he doesn't have the right experience, but it's like he doesn't have the right temperament. Um, you know, they questioned his honesty. Uh, they said he was lazy. Uh, they they said he had an entitlement mentality. Um, and and you know you don't need to believe. The ABA for that, because there are actually FOIA records that have his emails and emails about him while he was in the Solicitor General's office, where he says, "Yeah, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that." And and the people who have to work with him are talking about how frustrated they are, and other people are responding like, "Yeah, you're not the only one who's frustrated." So explicitly yeah. detailing how unqualified he is, I mean, yeah. not even just implying it. Wasn't there a previous nominee that? Like he got the nomination because his wife had worked previously with something, and then he had also written like crime novels or something, or maybe I maybe these were two different people, or maybe I feel like this was a thing at one point. Yeah, this 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 person was a real piece of work. Um, yeah, I mean, if one of the questions they ask you when you're filling out the questionnaire for the Senate Judiciary Committee is, you know, are there any potential conflicts of interest? You think you might mention that your wife works for the White House Counsel's Office. Maybe. You know? I I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um, and he really had no experience. Uh, you, you just you just look at the, look at him. He's like, why was this person nominated? There's just there's just no way that he was nominated because someone said, oh, yeah, he's qualified for the job. Um you know, this is one of the early nominees, and I. It, I, I, I just looked him up. It name. is Brent is Brett J. Talley, who is married to Annie right. Donaldson, who is uh, a Trump administration administrative yes. lawyer. There have been so many bad nominees that it just that got filed away in the back of my brain somewhere. That was in 2017. Yeah. It was so long ago. <laughs> it was November it really 3rd, was. 2017. That was two years ago. Yep. Yeah, and he said uh, the ABA said he was not qualified, uh, and so yeah, he's one of them. Uh, he really just did not have. A, you know, one of the things the ABA says is you should have twelve years' experience actually practicing the law. Brett Talley didn't have that; he just didn't. Um, and they said he's not qualified. Um, yeah, he he uh, got through the Judiciary Committee, and then he was going to get a floor vote and. This was a bridge too far even for at least one or two Republicans because he ended up not getting a floor vote. The Republicans have more, you know, have a bigger majority now than they did then. So it takes more Republicans with a conscience to to derail a nomination than it did in 2017. 
Um, there was another district nominee named Peterson. He was nominated for a position uh, in D.C., a district court. And it was so sad. It was really sad. <laughs> you know, he had no qualifications. He didn't know what he was doing. And then Senator Kennedy, the Republican senator from Louisiana on the Judiciary Committee, starts asking him really basic questions that anybody who's going to be presiding over a trial would know the answer to. And he was like a deer in the headlights. Um, you know, I, I would say it was sad, except if you have the audacity to put yourself up for a nomination for a lifetime position as a judge that you know you're not qualified for – you know, maybe you deserve to be humiliated with viral YouTube videos. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and then and then there's um, you know, in the Eighth Circuit, there's there's Steve Gretsch um, uh-huh. from Nebraska. Um, he, you know, what what are his qualifications? Well, his qualifications are like he's a zealous religious right person. Uh, okay, uh, that's not a qualification. Uh, the ABA said he's not qualified. The ABA said that based on the conversations they had with people, they weren't sure he'd be able to put his personal feelings aside. That's that's really devastating. That's a devastating critique from the ABA and from your peers and the people that you practice with. Yeah, and that's like the basic fundamental, I mean, that, that, that's the minimum of what a judge should yeah. be able to do is I mean, to that's not sort of bring the definition personal, of a judge. Yeah. Um, before so, that, but this is going way back to the Brett Talley thing, but I did find out that he's published three horror novels and two true ghost stories, ooh. and also a book that was co- uh, that was a finalist for the Bram Stoker Award. Wow. He was, he was also part of the Tuscaloosa Paranormal Research Group, and then wrote a book with his co-founder called Haunted Tuscaloosa. So he's grounded, deeply grounded in reality. Oh, is what clearly, yeah. yes. Um, he's, he's an accomplished author, obviously. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Which I'm not, and it makes, hear, hearing this just makes me feel so inadequate about myself. So <laughs> inadequate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, back, back to right, Sarah right. Pitlick, who's yes. uh, not, not qualified. Um, so, what would... She had no she had no trial or litigation experience. I mean, the ABA was talking about this. She's she's never tried a case. She's never examined a witness. She's never been a part of any stage of any criminal matter. What the hell is she going to be doing on a district court? That's crazy. So based on that, and what I mean, because she doesn't have that kind of experience, or I mean, what and all the other problematic things that we talked about, like what. I mean, do you have any way of telling us like what kind of rulings we should expect from her or how she would, I mean, other than extremely far to the right, um, maybe that's it. But but what, what should we expect from her um, now that she's been confirmed? I think we can expect from her what the White House expected for, from her when they picked her and what Republican senators expect from her when they voted to put her on the bench, which is especially on the issue of abortion, to find any way she can to uphold limitations on women's constitutional right to have an abortion. She is such a zealot on this issue. I mean, a lot of Trump noms are zealots on anti-choice, and they're really bad, and they should not have been confirmed to the bench. Uh, Sarah Pitlick sort of – she's on top of all of those. She's even worse than the worst of those. Um, she talks about the abortion industry, which is 
you know, not a term that you would want to hear somebody who's going to be a, a disinterested judge, uh, you know, on this issue using. And it's not even the case that she used it before, but doesn't use it anymore. She used it in her testimony to the senators. She used the term abortion industry. So clearly that's her view that she's going in with as a judge is the abortion industry. Um, she submitted a, a brief one time. It talked about how Planned Parenthood was was out to hurt women of color. She basically accused them of eugenics and genocide. And this is someone who's supposed to be a disinterested person examining factual records to affect our rights. I mean, that's just bizarre. And then you mentioned her what she said before about it, uh, surrogacy in vitro fertilization. Uh, you know, she said it, it has grave effects on society, uh, diminishes respect for motherhood. Um, I don't know if you heard about because we Tammy have so Duckworth's much, response to we that. We have so much respect for motherhood right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's cut off some uh, financial support from women who need it. So you know, and their kids. Yeah, we really respect mothers in this country. Um, but I don't know if you heard about Tammy Duckworth's response to this. It was pretty pretty great. I love Tammy Duckworth. Yeah. Tammy Duckworth's awesome. Yeah, she 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 wrote an op-ed. She wrote a letter to all of her colleagues. She talked to them in person. She talked about her experience of years and years and years of infertility and, and just how awful that was for her and her family and how in vitro fertilization gave her the family that she that she wanted. And she she, she was saying you can't demonize parents who've who've done this and expect to be on the court with a lifetime position. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, and and I think it it sort of it it shows this is personal. This is personal. All the issues that these judges deal with become personal because if they cut off health care, that affects you in person. If they cut off your right to abortion rights, <clears throat> that will affect you. In person, if they make it easier for employers to discriminate against you, oh yeah, that's going to affect you, <laughs> even if you're not a party. It affects all of us. Definitely. Um, so, moving more into kind of what we can do. So, Progress Iowa and People for the American Way have worked closely to advocate for fair-minded constitutionalists on the judiciary. So, how can right. so how can people? Like us, like our listeners, fight back against this kind of nominee now and as we continue to have these kinds of nominees in the future because the federal society just keeps picking them. You know, part of this is if you're not looking at this particular nomination as something in itself, oh, we lost the pit lick fight, it's over. Um, this is a, a big picture struggle over the courts. And having fair-minded constitutionalists on the courts, not people who are going to regularly rule for the benefit of the wealthy uh, and corporate interests rather than the rest of us or everybody. Um, so you've got somebody like, say, Joni Ernst. Uh, she votes for all these people. Mm -hmm. She votes to put them all on the bench. You know, if, if I could – okay, let's see. I'll see if I can say the names of all of the nominees – that she opposed in one breath. <gasps> okay, that was it. <laughs> she hasn't opposed any of them. <laughs> she hasn't opposed any of them. Someone like Sarah Pitlick, 
<laughs> and Joni Ernst says, yes, I want this person on the bench. The qualifications that Joni Ernst is looking for clearly are not the qualifications that the rest of us are looking for. She's looking for something very different. And one of the things that is important is for her constituents to tell her, we know this. We're following this. We know what you did. We know exactly what you did. We know who these nominees are. We know their records. And we know that you knew it. And you put them on the bench anyway. And that hurts us. And she needs to be held accountable. And it's great because, <laughs> like I said, I was great at holding holding people responsible, holding them accountable. Um, because, you know, like Progress Iowa, you're paying attention to this. You're telling people about this. And, you know, one of the things that Senate offices do is they look over hometown newspapers. They look for op-eds and letters to the editor to see what people are saying. If someone can write a letter to the editor about what's going on, that makes a difference. It really does. Um, when I, I was saying something before Thanksgiving about – talk about it at Thanksgiving dinner, but that's over. But you know, your next holiday dinner, you know, not everybody gets how important the issue is. And when you're together with your family or your friends for a nice holiday dinner, I think one of the most patriotic things you can do is to talk about the courts. And to talk about what's happening to the courts, make sure other people know. Um, you know, if it's just us who know, you know, okay, that's all fine and dandy, but it's not enough. It's we want other people to know. People who don't necessarily think about the courts, they may care about other issues and not realize that the courts are going to affect that issue. Um, it's it's. It's not a sexy issue all the time. Right. <laughs> and, and, and we so run into that here, get, so yes. <laughs> yeah, but but it really is. What, what Whatever you care about is going to be profoundly affected by what the courts do. Sarah Pitlick is now current news, and she will remain current news. Every bad ruling that she makes is going to be a story about the senator's who made that possible, yep. and, Joni Ernst being one of them. And we will absolutely do everything in our power to make sure that it, that those that, that remains a story um, and yeah. and look forward to working with you to do that. So, Yeah, um, and one of the things, just, just you know, one of, the, one of the things that People for the American Way is doing is we're highlighting the bad decisions that are being made by Trump's circuit court judges. So Pitlick's not a circuit court judge, at least not yet. Um, and we have a series called Confirmed Judges, Confirmed Fears. And if anybody wants to look up some of the bad decisions that all of Trump's uh, circuit court nominees are responsible for, unfortunately, there's a lot of them, and you can find a lot of information about it um, on all sorts of issues that we care about. I, we've reviewed that here and use that in our work regularly, but we will make sure that, that, that a link to that on the People for the American Way website is included in the in online with this episode, so so that, so that people can look at it and and review Fantastic. those cases for themselves. Fantastic! I am so glad I had this chance to talk to you. Well, I'm so glad. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We'd hope to hope to have you back again, um, or maybe not hope. I would say expect to have you back again, but hope okay. that it's under better circumstances with better yeah. nominees. So I'm with you on that one. All right. Thank All right. you so much. Thank Take you. Care. The Violence Against Women Act reauthorization is still 
in flux, or you could say has languished, and talks have really broken down, mostly because of Joni Ernst's decision to walk away from them, because the NRA is not okay with the gun legislation that's in the reauthorization. So we put together a report about how Joni Ernst refuses to protect domestic violence survivors um, with Representative Marty Anderson, who I will actually just read a quick quote that she gave us, which Marty went off and appropriately appropriately went off. Um, if Senator Ernst continues to refuse to support VAWA as passed by the House and supported by senators from both sides of the aisle, I can only conclude that she is in denial of the terror these crimes inflict, even though she has been subjected to it in her own life. These crimes strike horrific fear in women and children who are targeted. And Marty goes on, but Matt, what what do you think is stopping uh, the House bill that that was originally going through with kind of great bipartisan support? What's stopping it from getting through the Senate? I mean, I hate to say this, but I think it's the case with the um, with the next story we're going to talk about too, the dark money scandal that Ernst is now. Um, uh, engulfed in, um, but it's politics and money, and that's basically it. And I wish it was more complicated than that, but it's not. You have Senator Ernst, who, who was backed by over three million dollars from the NRA when she was first elected, and I and I don't think she would have been elected if it had not been for the NRA coming in, and 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 pushing her her through. I mean, three million dollars is is an insane amount of money. And it was by far more than any anyone else received that cycle, um, and they did it because they knew she would do things like this, where you have a very good reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act coming through the House, um, which included, you know, simple things like, oh, if you're convicted of a misdemeanor stalking crime, you shouldn't get to keep your weapon, you shouldn't get to keep your firearm. That seems pretty straightforward. If you've if you're convicted of stalking, you shouldn't ha- get to have a gun. And her her version of it uh, does not include that provision. Um, and at the best case, she's talked about for future uh, convictions. So if you've been convicted of of this of this crime, you still get to keep your gun until you do it again. And that's the absolute worst case scenario. Um, I think also Republicans are really big fans of saying, like, we can't take people's guns away without due process. And being convicted by a jury of your peers is the literal definition of due process and getting to tell your side of the story and everything. And I was in D.C. for this gun violence prevention conference, and they talked a lot about extreme risk violence protection orders, which have... uh, fallen flat here in Iowa because Republicans threatened to pull the plug on a mental health bill. But they also talked about that where it's, there's no due process or whatever. And ERPOs are not, it's not like your neighbor can just come up one day and be like, Oh, your fence is over my line. I'm going to call the police and have them take your guns away. There is a much more stringent process to it than that. And I think it's dishonest for all of these politicians to be saying like oh it's you're not going to have your chance you're not going to have your day in court or yeah these are people who have already had their day in court and have been convicted yeah and senator ernst wants them to keep their weapons i mean and and this is where 
so many cases of of domestic violence involve um, involve gun violence, and 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 so she's really abandoning um, domestic violence survivors with her version of the of the VAWA reauthorization, and and it's just unacceptable. But this is why she, this is why the NRA backed her is because either because they wanted her to do this or they knew she would do things like this. So she's stripping out provisions like that. Um, she's rolling back protections for LGBTQ um, uh, for for uh, LGBTQ survivors and uh, and also on on tribal lands too. So so um, so I think it's just it's it's she needs the political backing from the NRA. She needs the money from special interests, and so she's she's going to be there. Um, she's going to do their dirty work in the Senate and help um, and help make this bill as watered down as it possibly can be has Joni Ernst released a public version of her bill yet or yes, is this okay yep. I was gonna say or is this like when she said that she had a health care plan and that never happened no there is a version of the of the bill um it was released a couple weeks like the, I think the week before Thanksgiving okay. um <clears throat> and that's where a lot of the research in the report comes from other from analysis of the of the bill from domestic violence experts, um, and then of course, uh, uh, as you said, State Representative Marty Anderson, who reviewed it and also uh, offered up her her quote and her thoughts on 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 the bill. And someone who, in Marty Anderson's case, who spent uh, a big chunk of her career working on this issue, and and so as someone who has a lot of expertise and um, and 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 should be listened to. And uh, I don't I pretty sure that I've said this before, but I have a quick correction that the funding for Violence Against Women's Act services is still in place, but that doesn't mean that we should be settling for a bill like Ernst that rolls back protections for LGBTQ and LGBTQ individuals or takes away any tribal sovereignty. For sure. I mean, we definitely should not, um, uh, we should not accept anything but the best for protecting uh, survivors of domestic violence, or hopefully from preventing <laughs> preventing domestic would violence love, cases would love from some prevention. Yeah, happening. and not just not just protections for, or not just uh, looking out for for those who've already been through it, but trying to prevent it from happening in the first place. Our last story of the week is one that we are certainly going to come back to um, time and time again as it develops. But this just broke this morning. Um, I'll just read you the quote from the Associated Press, uh, which is, Dark money ties raise questions for GOP Senator Ernst of Iowa. Um, we, um, we've known about this, this PAC, this group, uh, Iowa Values, um, which is a political nonprofit that is supposed to be run independently, according to the AP. It was co-founded in 2017 by Ernst's longtime consultant, John Cohan. It shares a fundraiser, Claire Holloway Avella, with the Ernst, with the Ernst campaign. And, and this is all, these are, it's just the intermingling of, of the campaign and a, and a political entity that is supposed to be separate. You just can't do that. It is illegal to, to have that kind of coordination. Um, and so there it is, it is possible slash likely that, that the, that the Ernst team broke the law here. And so I think we will be learning a lot more about this as it unfolds, um, one particular um, uh, note of how how closely these two are related is that a condo owned by a former aide 
um, of Ernst, who was recently hired to lead the Iowa Values Group. Um, that, that that condo was used as their address um, at the same time when that aide worked for Ernst. So this was happening at the same time as 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 her staff, as this person was working on Ernst's staff. So that is about as direct a tie as you can get between the two organizations. So I mean, we're going to keep pushing on this. We released a statement this morning, but I mean, Lauren, do you think this is going to have an impact over the course of the campaign, or what? How do you think? I mean, I know it's just breaking, but what do you? What's your take on it? I mean, I would like for it to have an impact <laughs> on the campaign, but I also think that the FEC is basically down right now because the FEC doesn't have enough people on the board right now to really put any stuff into action. And so I feel like some of these, I mean, maybe this is happening on both sides too, but I feel like there is maybe some while the cat's away the the mice will play sort of thing happening where where everyone's a little bit like well maybe if the fec isn't gonna come in and like get me real quickly i can just kind of maybe push a little bit into this or also or maybe this is just gross incompetence that which i mean or some combination and but i think i think people are really starting to think about how money and politics is really just rigging the system and how much money goes into these elections and how much money you need to have to have a voice at this point. Like I, I certainly don't make a million dollars and I feel like I only have like, I only have my vote. I don't have a million or so dollars to donate to make sure that Joni Ernst listens to me. All I have is my vote. Yeah. And I think that gets to the core, which should be enough. Yeah, it should be. Um, and I think that gets to the, what I, what, I hope will, and this is why Progress Iowa, we're going to make a point of reminding people about this and doing everything we can to, to within our power, to get to the bottom of what happened. In our statement this morning, we called for her, for Ernst to release all the communications between between her and all the relevant staffers, uh, and just make that make those communications public so that we know what they were talking about, whether they were discussing this, whether they were coordinating activity, which would be, which would be. Uh, which would not be legal. Um, but you're right. I mean, the FEC, the IRS, they're not going to, very likely, they're not going to do anything about it. So it is up to us. It is up to Iowans to speak out, to call her office, to to uh, ask for Freedom of Information Act requests. All the Any legal tool at your disposal, um, whether it's speaking out or requesting information from your public officials, we need to do that because... This is not acceptable, and it goes to the point we were just talking about with the Violence Against Women Act, where Ernst is more in bed with 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 special interests and representing them than she is uh, sticking up for us, and it's just not acceptable. No, definitely. And there, there in the AP article, there is a an attorney with the nonpartisan campaign legal center in Washington who, I mean, I think this is like maybe second tier voice from like what the FEC would maybe say. Um, I don't want to speak for the FEC, but uh, Brendan Fisher said that it seems like pretty strong evidence that a $50,000 request was for a quote, illegal for an quote, illegal donation. While it's clear that the goal of Iowa values is to reelect Joni Ernst, which may violate its tax exempt status, which I mean, if you have these sort of preeminent attorneys with nonpartisan 
campaign legal centers. I mean, I I think that that I would hope that that says it all that this is really not okay. Yeah, I mean they. I mean, I think in general it just kind of it kind of feels like icky, but hearing someone say that like no this is kind of illegal yeah this is a group that that appears to be specifically founded to back ernst's re-election and while those kinds of groups can exist i mean out in the world you know a, a pack can exist but they cannot you work can't, they can't coordinate yeah. they can't work together with the campaign that's illegal so so that's that's it, it's 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 as pl- it's pretty much as plain as day in the Associated Press story, and and it's just it's going to be interesting as this unfolds, and we will will absolutely keep everyone up to date on what we are doing and and how and how this um, how this develops. What a week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network, and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. We are recorded, mixed, and edited by Greg Howenstein. For more information, visit potluck.fm or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week. Thank you.